Thank you for tuning in to Wove Inspiration Podcast with host Althea Richardson. Wove stands for Women of Vision and Excellence, and the mission is to inspire, encourage, and uplift women and the men who love them to becoming all they were predestined to be. And it starts with restoration. Today's special guest is Miss Lydia Freeman. Lydia is passionate about speaking on all things Christianity, sexuality, pure culture, her experience with PTSD and sexual assault, and how theology and faith affect our everyday lives. She is also the co-host and creator of Holy Ship Podcast, where she discusses the intersection of women, Christianity, and sexuality in an open and shame-free way. Lydia, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. So Lydia, can you give me just a little bit more information about yourself and what you do? Yeah, so I am 23 and I live in New York City. Um, I work at a nonprofit as a content producer, and I actually just got back from a two and a half week trip in Africa. So yeah. yeah. And we before we got on the air, you were telling me uh, the humidity is like almost 100 degrees, really? Yeah, it was it was a toasty time. I'm really sunburnt now. So <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's hot. That's hot, hot when the humidity is 100 degrees and it is 100 degrees. Yes, it is. Very yeah. Hot. But let's go ahead and get into your interview. So tell me about what purity what is the purity culture in and what actually went wrong with that Mm -hmm. so a lot of people i would say around my age and like a little bit older grew up in typically christian evangelical circles in what's called purity culture which essentially just places a lot of emphasis and obviously this is much more complex but boiling it down places emphasis on like our purity and salvation, like as sexuality and specifically virginity. And then even more specifically with women and kind of putting that pressure on them. Um, So what purity culture got wrong, I think, I mean, again, lots of different ways you can go, but placing your salvation, placing your worth and identity in sexuality and virginity, especially And lots of people who grew up in purity culture, when talked about purity, when talked about virginity, it's, there's all these, I'll say analogies, and I'm not sure if it's analogies or what the correct literary term for that is. But, you know, they say like, once our sexual purity is gone or given away, it's like tape that's lost stickiness or paper that's been torn or like gum that's been chewed or a gift that's been unwrapped. And it's like all these things where you're like, oh, if I do anything sexual before marriage, like I'm somehow damaged, like I'm not like worthy of love or like nothing can put me back together. And it really doesn't take into account like the power of Jesus and his healing power and his love for us despite that. And then also like how our future husbands can also still love us despite that. And I'm not saying like, you know, go ahead, have sex before marriage because there's all this forgiveness, but it's missing that like crucial aspect. Okay. And so tell me about what it was like for you growing up in a Christian home. Yeah. So I would say both my 
parents were pretty open about sex. And my dad was actually a pastor at a church. And so he would bring home like the how to talk to your kids about like sex in a Christian way books. And they would like read them to us like to see if they should go in the church bookstore. So definitely like an interesting dynamic there. And I don't think I really experienced the full extent of purity culture in my house. It was more of the church I was in and the environment that I grew up in. Because we grew up in a very Christian town, like everyone went to church. And it was more of the comments you heard about like, you know, moms talking about other daughters, you know, who had like had sex in high school or had sex in middle school or done this or gotten caught. And like how, you know, it's like, oh, like she did this. And it's like, all of a sudden they were just like unworthy. Um, And it was just like largely how sex was viewed and like talked about. So I wouldn't say I got necessarily in, a, in my Christian home. We did like, you know, my dad gave me a purity ring, all that stuff, which whole other road, but it was more of like what happened in youth group and church and just in the community and at school. Yeah. And I know I'm mm-hmm. um, so my, I do have two kids that are PK kids. And mm-hmm. so as they get older and they get out on their own, there are some things that they will experience out in the world. So what was it like for you once you left home? Yeah. So I feel like there's this like stereotypical, like pastor's kids always go a little crazy. And I think I definitely played into that. (laughs) Didn't help the stereotype at all. Um, Yeah. Once I moved out, actually, even in high school, I actually stopped being a Christian in high school. So that might play like a little bit more into this, but I was like, yeah, I'm just like, gonna be very like physical with my boyfriends and i was like i'll totally drink alcohol totally do this once i went to college that got like even more escalated in my life and you know like you go to parties and there's like drugs and there's alcohol and you're like what like what can i do this can i not like i'm on my own all of a sudden and I would say like at one point in my life, I got like very apathetic towards myself and like started drinking a ton of alcohol, started partying a ton, was like just making out with boys because I could and like not even seeing any repercussions or like feeling any repercussions of that just because yeah. I was like, why not? Like might as well. So. And that seems to uh, be, I know with people that I grew up with in the church, that seems to be the typical thing that happens when they leave. Mm-hmm home, it's like, oh, it's this freedom and I can do what I want. And I'm not, you know, I don't care what the church says and and all of that. Why do you think that is so? I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons. And I also think a lot of it's how you're raised. I think for me, I wasn't fully like able to confront everything that the world had to offer necessarily when living in a Christian home and was probably more protected than kids growing up in a secular household would be. Um, And so like once you are confronted with that in a very real way, not just like in a conversational way, it's harder to decide because you haven't really made up your convictions and then like the backing to them and like the why behind your convictions before getting into that situation, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, makes perfect sense. And one of the things that I do know that typically happens is when you know, someone's grown up in the church and they've seen a lot of things in the background happen or something may have happened Mm -hmm. to them while they were in church and therefore they leave the church hurt. Mm -hmm. What what happens to that individual going forward? And is that maybe one of the reasons why they do, you know, make those decisions going forward? 
Yeah, I definitely think that can be a huge factor and is in a lot of people's lives. Church hurt is just so hard because church is the place that everyone should just feel like accepted. They should feel loved and they should just feel the tangible presence of God and like of Jesus in their lives. But it's hard because church is made up of people and it's made up of sinners. And I think for me, I got to a point where I had to like distinguish like, okay, are people hurting me or is God hurting me right now? And kind of having to make that distinction, which like really helped me kind of process that. And like, obviously sometimes church situations, you do need to leave the church because, you know, different things are happening. But yeah, it's hard to navigate. And I do think it can lead to certain like situations just because it's like, well, if it like doesn't matter in here, or like if I see like the pastor having premarital sex or the pastor having extramarital relations, like why shouldn't I, you know? So it's just like, I think when you experience hurt in a faith place, that's supposed to be this like godly environment, then it's like, okay, well, like in my life, how do I also emanate a godly life when I'm not seeing that played out in the one place that it should be played out in? Right. Yeah. And and I totally agree to what you were saying as far as like, for example, if a pastor confesses that he's been promiscuous or has stepped out of his marriage or whatever the case mm-hmm. is, then you have people that have looked at that pastor that whole time one way and then they see them in a completely different light. Mm-hmm. Then they start questioning, well, why should I even follow this God or even attend church if people mm-hmm. in the church aren't even any different than people outside the church. So it's, yeah, I can understand that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me your experience going forward as a young adult, navigating your life, having had the background that you, you have and being raised in a Christian home, but now you're a young adult. How are you navigating that? And with sexuality being the way that it is here in the wonderful world of the United States? Where everything is pretty much like it's, hey, you're free to do whatever you want and whoever you want. I'm just Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So how do you navigate through all of that? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that I wasn't a Christian. I stopped being a Christian in high school. And then by a total random had to be God, I ended up at a Christian school in New York City. So one of the most secular places and then in a small like Christian school. And it was like, I did not want to go to Christian school. I was like, they're the worst place on earth. Why would I do this? And of course, I ended up at one. And my first year living in New York, it was just a rough year. And I had all of this like stuff happen to me. And then I was in the shower one day and I just like had like a breakdown. I was like, God, like, are you even there? Like all of this stuff keeps happening, but like, I like, don't know if you're here or not. And in one of my Bible classes, we were learning about the Israelites and how they just kept running away. And God's like, I'm providing for you. And they're like, idol over here. And I was like, they're the stupidest people I've ever met. And I have a professor that was like, Lydia, like you, you're a lot more like the Israelites than you think you are. And I was like, so deeply offended that he would say that about me. And then I'm in the shower one day and it was like, God just like spoke to me and he was like, just like showed me how much he loved me. And I just like could actually feel it. And then he was like, Lydia, like you're like the Israelites, like all these things keep happening and you run away, but like, I'm still here. I'm still providing. And I was like, Oh, and it was just kind of like one of those like montages of me, like going back and seeing God working through like all of this, even though I was like, I'm not a Christian. I'm not like going to Christian school. I'm not following Jesus. Like he's horrible. Yeah. Um, and just like seeing 
can play out that. So that's when I started becoming a Christian and started going to church and serving in church and just started like growing. And then um, about four years later, so this was like a year and a half ago now, I um, was sexually assaulted by a guy who I was really close with and who was a Christian who like went to my church with me. Um, And I just like felt so betrayed, like not only by a Christian man, but I was betrayed. I felt betrayed by God, which wasn't true at all. But I came to this like point in my life. And this is what I was talking about earlier, where I was just, I just didn't care about myself at all. And so that's when I started like partying even more. I started just like making out with guys and it like got to the point where I was like, should I just like sleep around? Because like, does it even matter if it can just be like taken from you like that? Mm -hmm. And so one day I was like, you know, Lydia, like you're at a crossroads right now. Like there are like two paths you can take through your life. And like, like which one was going to, which one is it going to be? And there was like two questions that were just like in my mind. I was like, you have to answer this before you can do anything. And I had just gotten out of a relationship where I was pretty physical in it. And so I was like, one, like, do I think sex should be saved for marriage? And then like, two, do I think God is good? Do I think he's protecting me? Do I think he's looking out for me? Even after all of this has happened and you know, I want to say this was like a quick, like, yup and yup. And of course, and like my mind was made up, yeah. but you know, a lot more complex than that. And yeah, like it took a little bit, but I was like, you know what? I do think that sex should be safe for marriage. And I do think like it's special and has meaning and that like God created it for such a good purpose, but I don't exactly know like why it should be safe for marriage. I don't exactly know like why it's special. Like, does it bind to people? Does it not? If it does bind people, am I bound to the guy that I was sexually assaulted by? Like I had all these questions Mm -hmm. and growing up in purity culture, I didn't have a lot to fall back on because I felt damaged by my past with my boyfriends, with like guys at parties. I felt damaged by being sexually assaulted. And so, yeah, I just like, that was my first question. I was like, I need to like kind of figure that out. But like, yes, I do think it should be. And I'm like going to try to pursue that. But it's also hard to pursue things when you don't have something to fall back on and maintain your convictions. And then I also just for the second question of like, do I think God's good? Do I think he cares about me? And like, do I think he was heartbroken by what happened to me? I was like, yep. And that one wasn't necessarily having to dive into why, but it was more of me healing and praying and really just like seeking him and letting him just like, yeah, just really heal different parts of me. But yeah, I started talking with people and going to mentors and reading the Bible and reading books on sexuality and Christianity and all of this stuff. And it's about like a year long journey and talking with girls, especially that grew up in church. I realized how much the church had either hurt them by talking about sexuality or just didn't talk about it at all and left them with a lot of questions. And like, again, it was like sex is bad before marriage. Don't have it. But like, that's it. Like, that's the framework for not having sex. And I was talking with my friend and she's like, you know, like, I think you should start a podcast about this. And I was like, eh, she was like, what if I do it with you? And I was like, okay, sold. And I'm a sucker for passion projects. So, you know, like, of course, hundred or 10% bought into this. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's how we started Holy Ship. And that's kind of like where my faith is at today, just because I want to like help other people like talk about awkward taboo topics and I don't want them to feel shame. I want like to bring this into the light and just bring it to Jesus. So, yeah. yeah. I I really commend you for doing that, especially your age and the 
the way things are in this world now, mm-hmm. I know because I work at a at a clinic and we do STI testing and mm-hmm. everything, we minister to the women and the men that come in there. And like a lot of times they really don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they come up with their own um, different excuses. And a lot of them, I would say about 85% of the individuals that come to that clinic they are very, very sexually active because of something that happened to them mm-hmm. as a child. And so that behavior has that situation that took place then goes forward into trying to go back to that whole thing again and that feeling and feeling that void. But there is only one way that you're that whole, that missing piece that's in there can be filled. Mm-hmm. And that's with Jesus Christ. And so um, talk to me about how you would minister to someone who has that mindset that, you know, I don't, um, I've been through a whole lot of stuff and, and this is what makes me feel good about myself. How how Mm -hmm. would you be able to minister to someone like that? You know, I think each person's a little different. So I think the first step is really just building a relationship with them. And then kind of part of that is just, pouring out Jesus's love on them, like through your relationship, praying for them just consistently. Yeah. Through that relationship, just kind of start having conversations. And for me, something that was helpful in my healing was people being vulnerable with me about what they had been through, you know, their process of how they were healing. If they had healed already, like what forgiveness looks like in those situations. Mm -hmm. And so I think just being vulnerable in return, like having me share parts of my story that I think are appropriate at that time with them to help them kind of process that and like, say like, here's like kind of like where I am. But then I think also I've done like a lot of research. We've had a lot of conversations on the podcast about like why sex is good and like why God created it and why he created it for marriage and just kind of just like talking about that and explaining it further than just like, Christians don't just think sex is bad. Like we think sex is good. We just, it's in these parameters that we think it's just like so good that it can do so much good in your marriage and in like your life and in your relationship with Christ. And like really explaining that and that like God doesn't just see them for their sexual sin. He sees that. And despite that, he still died on the cross and he still desires a relationship with you. And like that he is heartbroken by what happened to you in your past and that he is heartbroken that you don't like see yourself or like you don't feel good in other ways. Like this is the only way. And he just so desires to be in a relationship with you. And so I think like, again, one, just like Christ's love, just pouring that out on them so that they can actually feel that. Cause I'm guessing a lot of people haven't felt that. And that's why they're like, they're pursuing sexuality in that way. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that you actually mentioned as well is about marriage, because unfortunately mm-hmm. there are Christians, married Christians that still struggle with the idea that sex is 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 okay it's good mm-hmm. especially when you're married but yeah because they're stuck with that idea that oh well i'm not i'm not doing the right thing by mm-hmm. even if you're with your husband or your wife you, you still feel like you're not doing the right thing because you're you know you're enjoying it and, and it's like it's supposed to be enjoyable specifically when you're married so mm-hmm. i mean what, what's your opinion on that yeah 
you know, we've had a lot of conversations about this and I think for me, part of it goes back to purity culture, especially like, I think from the woman's standpoint, I haven't talked to like many guys and heard their opinions on this. So I don't, I can't really speak to that, but for so often it's like, you know, sex is bad. Sex is bad. Your body is bad. Pleasure is bad. But then all of a sudden when you get married, you're supposed to go from zero to a hundred percent. Like you're supposed to be able to like, please your spouse, like all of this. And so I think they talk a lot about like dating. Don't like it like don't have sex, but then it's like marriage. It's like have sex, have it all the time. Sex is so good, but it's like, I think the church has really done themselves a disservice and has done marriage a disservice by presenting sex as bad and not presenting sex as good within these parameters. And we actually had a guest on our podcast who was talking about how sex is kind of like fire and like, right. Like fire in a fireplace is good fire in a fire pit's good like you can cook on it like you can stay warm in it but like it's in those parameters when you like let it outside it can cause a lot of destruction like you can burn a whole village down you know (laughs) um and i was like oh that was like a very like physical way for me to look at like sex and like kind of boundaries around that but yeah i also think we had a lot of guests with vaginismus and super painful sex and there's a lot of direct links between people who grew up in purity culture and who experienced vaginismus because like you may want to have sex, you may be ready. And like, you know, like throughout dating, you couldn't keep your hands off each other, but all of a sudden when you're trying to have sex, your body's like, Whoop, nope. And your mind's like, nope, can't do this. And it's like, you can't get past that mental yeah. block. And it's just like hard. And it's so sad that like, that's what it's come to. And I think we really let the world steal sex and like define sex and what it should be when it's like, no, God created sex. Like we should be talking about this a lot and we should be helping married couples and we should be helping dating couples, like figure out their boundaries on this as well. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other things that you had mentioned is in regards to the mental block, there might be women in particular who have experienced uh, sexual abuse And they suffer from PTSD, which makes it even harder for them to even want to be in a relationship like that when they get into a marriage because of what happened to them. So can you speak on on that subject? Yeah, I think for me and my PTSD, I kind of (laughs) kind of went to extremes. But at the same time, I feel like I was like hypersexual afterwards in like the sense that I was you know, trying to guys, I wanted them to see me like as a sexual being, like all of this stuff. But then at the same time, as soon as a guy would get like close to me, I would just completely shut down. So it's like, I wanted it. But then as soon as it was like, I was like, nope. And it was like, my mind just couldn't quite like get there. And then specifically when I was in relationships and would like try to let guys in, even like just emotionally, like I just like started shutting down. And then like, especially physically, like even just like hugging or holding hands, like just felt like wrong and just like appalling to me. Um, And I think like, that's where a lot of counseling comes into play. Like that has genuinely changed my life going to counseling and has helped me heal a lot and going through like coping mechanisms. What are good ones? What are not good ones? And yeah, I've also, I'm drawing a complete blank. I think it's called EDMR therapy, but I started doing that. And like, I mean, incredible The fact that like science has gotten that far that you can like help with PTSD in that way totally changed my life and also like helped me work through what happened, but then how to move forward, like 
how do I make boundaries that aren't harmful to the relationship that like can actually help us? Because so often I was building these unnecessary boundaries and these unnecessary walls to protect myself, but weren't actually protecting myself and weren't allowing me to be in a healthy relationship. And so I would recommend going to counseling, but then also pelvic floor therapy can help a lot with, I'll say like the muscle aspect of it and also kind of like the mind body connection there and can help just with not necessarily like a willingness to have sex, but like being able to enjoy it. Like afterwards, we've talked with a lot of people, talked with a lot of physical, not physical therapists, pelvic floor therapists who have like really like talked about the improvement that's made in their life. So that's also another huge one I would recommend for married women. Okay. Um, That's something I've never heard of. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that information. That's really good. What suggestions can you offer young people, men and women, about, you know, being able to, or at least try to wait for marriage before sex? What, mm-hmm. what would you suggest on um, helping them to at least try to stay focused on on God, even though, you know, in our culture, unfortunately, there's so many things that are, are major distractions and, and everything. What can you suggest to those individuals to keep on the, I guess, the straight and narrow? <laughs> yeah, I think one figuring out what your convictions are in each part of your life, specifically with sexuality And then why you believe it behind there. Because I think so often you can be like, yeah, of course, I'm going to save sex till marriage. But then you're in a relationship and you're super attracted to the other person. Of course, you want to have sex with them. Um, And all of a sudden, it's like, if you don't have that why, it's like, why wouldn't I, you know? And so I think having the why behind that. And I think that's where, you know, digging into what the Bible says about sex, praying about it, reading books that people have written, because there's really smart people out there that offer great insight, listening to podcasts, having conversations with mentors, with people who have like been through this stage of life, who have either had sex before marriage and like how that's affected their life and people who went through dating and didn't have sex. And how, how did they do that? What like boundaries did they have in place? What helped them through that? Um, so yeah, I think just having conversations about it, but then also when you do start a relationship, sitting down and talking about each of your boundaries and then how you can like maintain those and how you can respect those and having just like regular check-ins with your significant other at that time of, you know, are you feeling like our boundaries are being respected here? Like, are we pushing them too far? And like really sitting down and talking about that because it's hard not to have sex before marriage. Like, it's like, and it's so easy to, because you are physically attracted, hopefully to the person you're with. And like, there is that chemistry. So yeah, I think like talking about it and keeping it in the open is a huge one. Yeah, absolutely. Communication Mm -hmm. is the ultimate key to all of this. How can people get in contact with you? And are you doing any speaking engagement? So I do a lot of podcasts, I guess, I haven't had any speaking engagements, but would love to. I also just love talking with people. We have a lot of people DM us on Instagram with questions or just like wanting to share something. And that's like one of my favorite things to do is like actually talking to people about stuff like this or any questions they have. I just like, I'm super extroverted. So any person I can meet, any person I can talk to, I love doing. So our Instagram is theholyship.podcast and we check our DMs probably twice an hour. So (laughs) 
definitely best to respond on that. And our email is theholyship.podcast at gmail.com. And I also check that every day. So those are the easiest ways to get in touch with me. And yeah, I love hearing from people and I love hearing what's on their heart and just how I can be praying for them and just any questions they have that I can help them work through. So, well, yeah. this is certainly a very hot topic, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> specifically when it comes to Christians. And I really appreciate you sharing all of this wealth of information. Do you have any last words for our listening audience? Yeah, I would just say that if you have been hurt by the church's view of sexuality or their discussions on it, I just like want to tell you that Jesus loves you, that he knew all the sins you were going to commit and he still died on the cross and he just wants a relationship with you and that he doesn't see you as too far gone or too far damaged. And he just like wants to be there for you and he wants to heal you and he wants a relationship for you. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Lydia, it has been a blessing and honor to have you on my show. And I just, again, all of this information is is powerful and is definitely needed in the church today. There needs to be more open conversation, open dialogue about sexuality. And it is a good thing. And God created this to be good for us. So thank you so much, Lydia, for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. (laughs) Hey, you guys, this is Althea with Wove Inspiration Podcast. You guys have an awesome day. Take care. God bless. Hey, this is Althea, host and producer of Wove Inspiration Podcast. Wove Inspiration features women and the men who love them, who use their voice to share their stories of overcoming obstacles in life. Everyone has a story. Some good, some not so good. The common factors for guests on Wove Inspiration are their solutions and their victorious endings. You can follow us and leave a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Wove Inspiration. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform you listen to podcasts.